0: good morning online community uh, a couple of uh an, an announcement before we jump into the word today philip and renee murdoch are our missionaries to brazil and uh, uh they pioneered a church in rio and uh it was just a you know 50 75 member congregation and then his wife renee was running down the beach and was beat with a uh, piece of driftwood by a deranged Homeless person, and uh, she had 1% chance of living. And she's obviously in ICU. Her husband, Philip, four children, he got on uh, his phone, social media, and he uh, started to uh, encourage people to believe with him for one thing every day. Let's believe that today she's going to move a finger. And it happened. Then, and the doctors are saying this is, you know, hopeless. She has one percent chance of living. Even if she ever did live, she'd be a vegetable. And the next day, he say, "Let's now, today, let's believe that she will open her eyes." It happened. Every day, he believed for one small little miracle until she started recovering and now she's 100% recovered. She's traveling all over the place preaching about how Jesus healed her. His church exploded because it got national attention in Brazil, then it got international attention, and he does all sorts of humanitarian work. He's planted hundreds of churches throughout uh, the interior of Brazil, so he's going to be here. He and Renee are going to be here in a couple of weeks, so you're not going to miss Philip and Renee when they come here to the gathering place. Amen? amen today i want to talk to you guys about something i'm calling your faith threshold all right let's pray let's jump in all right pray this prayer out loud say jesus Jesus. i believe believe. but help me with my unbelief so you can do miracles in my life in In jesus name Amen. amen amen all right your faith threshold every one of us has a faith, a faith threshold. Uh, like some of you, you're like, well, I believe Jesus was a teacher. All right. But I don't believe he was the son of God. Okay. Well, that's your faith threshold when it comes to, 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 to who Jesus is. Or I believe that Jesus did miracles 2000 years ago. I believe in those miracles way back then. I just don't think he does them today. That's your faith threshold. right? I believe, yeah, I believe in creation. I believe God slung the universe into existence, but I don't believe He's personally involved in our life today, right? That's your faith threshold right there. That's where you are. Others are like, well, I believe that Jesus healed 2,000 years ago, but I also believe that He heals today. So there's your faith threshold. You've moved out a little bit to a, a different threshold, right? Some say, well, I believe that Jesus was a good teacher, yes, but I also believe He's the Son of God. I believe He died for my sins and rose from the dead. Your thre- faith threshold is right there. I believe that God slung the universes into existence, but I also believe that He's communicating with me every day of my life. Your fa- faith threshold is right there. I believe that Jesus heals today. Absolutely. But do you believe that He will heal you today? Uh, n- n- not sure about that one. I believe he heals today, but I'm not, I don't know, or my loved one that's got, you know, their condition is beyond hope. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't have faith for that, right? So we're all somewhere different with our faith threshold, okay? So I don't know you. What is your name? Tyler Jones. Let's Tyler Jones. You set your book down because this is what you get for visiting today. You're going to be my, you're going to, all right, okay, so stop right there. Stop right there. Okay, face me, okay? So that's your faith threshold. Let's say that you're the one that believes that Jesus heals today. However, uh, let's say that your, God forbid, your spouse has a disease or something, and the doctors are saying there's a 1% chance, like our friend Philip, right? 1% chance. You're like, well, uh, I believe Jesus heals today, but this one has gone too far. Okay, that's your faith threshold. Where's Jesus? Jesus has a completely different faith threshold. he's all the way over here right see the bible says that my god says my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts too bad is that what the scripture says next too bad no god wants to raise us up so that our ways become his ways and our thoughts become his thoughts. He doesn't want us to stay dumb and confused. He's trying to elevate us. He's always trying to bring us higher, take us farther, take us deeper. So Jesus says, your faith threshold's there. What is your first name again? Tyler. Tyler, Jesus comes. You know God's so good at meeting us where we are, right? God's good at meeting us where we are, right? Yeah. He's so good. That's why he came down from heaven and met us where we are. But he doesn't come to meet us where we are. To live at our threshold, he's saying, come on, let's go farther, let's go higher, let's go deeper. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Tyler. All right. So that is what my message is about today. Our goal today is for Jesus to extend our faith threshold. Whatever you're facing today, physically, financially, relationally, spiritually, whatever it might be, or your belief system about God, whatever it is. The goal today is for Jesus to expand our faith threshold. We get so locked into this physical world that we think this is all there is and God is so far beyond our physical world. So He's trying to invite us higher. So today, I want to come at this from a a different angle. I want to come at this from an angle of showing you a guy... You do not want to be. All right? You do not want to be this guy. His faith threshold robbed him of what God was trying to do in his life. So here we go. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 to 717. This is a story we're going to read together, and I'm going to pull some things out of it as we go. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. Now, you guys know what it means to besiege a town that's an old uh, term. It means that these, this is a, uh, a, an actual town called Samaria. And it had a king, and it had its uh, citizens, and an army came and invaded it. Now, what they did back then, and actually they're doing it today, is you cut a town off from their resources. Cut off the water supply, cut off the food supply, cut off all the resources, and, of course, they're eventually going to die. And that's what the situation was here, so... Hey, David, can I have a, a bottle of water, please, so I don't spit on people? All right. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. And you think your situation's bad. Okay, now the dove's dung, uh, another translation says seed pod so if, if you if, if it's too gross for you go with seed pod otherwise we'll go with dub dub one day as the king okay that's pretty bad right this is a bad situation one day as the king of israel was walking along the wall of the city a woman called to him please help me my lord the king He answered, if the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor or wine from the press to give to you. Sometimes your situation is going to be so dire it is beyond human help. Anybody? Am I preaching to anybody today? Am I the only one living on the planet? Sometimes your situation is beyond money managers, counselors, physicians, teachers pastors it's it's right to put our trust in experts that's why they are experts right but we all know that there are sometimes in life where our situation is beyond the expert's help and if you don't have faith in god at that point you're in trouble that's why the book of psalms at 118 says this it is better everybody say better it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. It is better because when we run to the, to the end of an expert's expertise or resources, it's better to trust in the Lord because after there is no help, there's still help. The Bible says about Abraham that he had hope against all hope that he would ever have a child a promised child right and just like my friend Philip there was no hope one percent chance that his wife would recover and she's fully recovered today not preaching the gospel all over the world right when there is no hope if you have hope in God there's still hope and I hear an amen all right so this situation was beyond human help but it even gets worse but the king asked what's the matter She replied, this woman said to me, come on, let's eat your son today, then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. That's a bad day. day. I have somebody about ready to vomit on the front row here. Okay. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'll introduce her. This is my mom. Everybody say hello to my mother. My mama. And, uh, And this is her friend, Rudy. Let's say good morning to Rudy. All right. Yep. Margie. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son and let's eat him. Oh, no, it was kill your son and we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. There's been a lot of despair over the last few years. I've been to more funerals, done more funerals in a condensed time than ever in my ministry. Relationships that are gone because of the perfect storm. It has been, we have been in despair, but not like this. And as the king walked along the wall, but it's still not too big for God is the point. Still not too big for God. Turn to your neighbor and say, but it's still not too big for God. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, your situation, go ahead, come on, tell your neighbor, your situation is not too big for God. All right? As the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. That means he was in mourning. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elijah's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Why was he so mad at Elisha? Elisha was the prophet at the time. Because Elisha, I'm not going to get into this because this isn't the message, but there is a point to this. When your sin, your mistakes, your bad decision, your bad behavior, your addiction, or whatever it might be, is causing your demise, so often we blame it on everybody else and everything else. And that's what's happening with Joram here, the king. His dad was Ahab, who was the husband of Jezebel. And Ahab was wicked. Jezebel was wicked into witchcraft and sorcery and and forsaking God and worshiping all these other gods and these idols. So he passed that heritage down to his son Joram, right? Well, Elisha... Now, who's the prophet with, with Ahab's son, is the spiritual son of Elijah. And Elijah dealt with Ahab in the previous generation. And, you know, Elijah caught a drought. And they had, you know, a battle. And that, so they fought with one another. The wicked king fought with the, the prophet of God in that generation. Now we're dealing with their spiritual son and their actual biological son. Now they're going at it. But Elijah, Elisha didn't do this. This was Joram's issue. The king created this problem for him and his country because of his own sins and turning his back on God. Sound familiar? All right. So here we go. Elijah was sitting in his house and the elders of Israel when the king sent a message to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, okay, we're going to deal with a lot of supernatural stuff today in the Bible. So you got to recognize this was normal for Israel this is when i go to india gone to africa gone to vietnam i've gone to these other countries down in south america supernatural stuff is normal we think we're so advanced in the west because we're scientific but you go anywhere else in the world and you want to get healed you go down to the witch doctor you just go down to the end of the village you you slice a chicken open and you let them do this stuff and you get many times you get healed I've gone into these places, casting out demons. I mean, I, there's, there was this one village, a whole bunch of uh, Hindus came to Christ, but this one teenager wouldn't come to Christ. I said, why not? She said, because this is what my house gods did to me last night. She had bruises all over her arms. She goes, I don't want to get my house gods mad. Now, we think that's just primitive. We think it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's their imagination. No. The supernatural realm was here before we were. The supernatural realm, we call it supernatural only because it was here before the natural realm. And so we read things like this, and it's just normal life for these people because they are spiritual. But before the messenger arrived, Elijah said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. So the Elisha, the prophet, already knows that the king is coming to kill him, though he hasn't been told this, he just knows it in the spirit. A murderer has been sent to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door, keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following. While Elijah was still saying this, the messenger arrived and the king said, the king said, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now he's blaming his condition on the Lord. Elijah said, listen to this message from the Lord. I love the message from the Lord. You think it's going to be judgment but god is so good even when we screw up our own situation god's goodness still crashes on our lives like a wave of mercy and grace can i hear an amen he is so much better to us than we deserve here's the word of the lord to king joram you would think it was going to be judgment but look listen this is the message from the lord this is what the lord says by this time tomorrow faith threshold remember we're talking about faith threshold by this time tomorrow in the markets of samaria six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver okay i want you to close your eyes for a second if you do this with me this actually just close your eyes for a second imagine yourself hearing that message you live in samaria you're watching people eat their own babies there's no water there's no food you can't buy a loaf of bread because it's too expensive you're there and then you hear the prophets say tomorrow everything is going to change And you could buy a loaf of bread for a penny. Okay, open your eyes. Would you believe that? Would you have believed what the prophet said? That's how you know what your faith threshold is. You don't know what your faith threshold is until you're there. You can shout amen and speak in tongues and wave your Bible all day long in church. But when crisis hits your life, bam, and you're right there and it's right in front of you. You get the doctor's report. You look at your checking account. You get laid off. Whatever it might be, bam, right there's your Samaria. What do you believe? Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe what God spoke to your heart? Do you believe what God is saying to you? Or not? That's your faith threshold. Let's see what happened. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. That's the guy you don't want to be. We don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that guy. In your situation that you're in right now, you don't want to be this person. Even if God could open up the windows of heaven, our situation could never change. What is it? What is it that you can't believe God for? What is it you won't believe God for? Where's your faith threshold in your life? The Lord is trying to move the line for you. He wants you to take his hand and join him at his thre- faith threshold, not yours. He will come to yours to get you, to bring you to his. And that's what the Lord is trying to do with this guy, but he wouldn't move. Now, what determined this guy's faith threshold? I'm asking you this question. What determined his faith threshold? Experience. The events around him, his experience, circumstantial evidence. That's what determined. You get it? He had a circumstantial evidence. The the famine all around him. People dying. That was the natural circumstantial evidence. You have yours. Today you have your own. But then you have the word of the Lord. What are you going to allow to determine your faith threshold? Your circumstances or the word of God? Aren't you glad you came to church today, huh? Yeah. Same thing happened to Jesus. Look at this. This is it. now we're, we're jumping about fifteen hundred years into the future. While Jesus was still speaking to her, okay, this is Jesus. We're in a different story now. We're going to jump back, but I'm going to show you how Jesus' faith threshold is different than ours and he's trying to move ours to his so this guy comes to him one day to jesus and says hey my daughter's dying come to my house and he says okay i will on the way to the house jesus gets interrupted by the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years she had an issue of blood doctors couldn't heal it she spent all of her money all the physicians she had reached the end of the experts expertise there was no hope for her But she believed her faith threshold was beyond everyone else's around her. Sometimes your faith threshold has got to be beyond everyone else's around you. They are going to stop believing at one point because of the circumstantial evidence. And when you decide, I'm still going out another measure and I'm still going to believe God... They are going to ridicule you. They'll say that you're in denial. They'll say that's not safe. You shouldn't believe like that because it might not happen. You have just got to find your own threshold between you and God and everybody else deal with what they're going to deal with. You do you. Let them do them. Amen? Amen. Or you'll never see a miracle. So her faith threshold was beyond the physicians, beyond her family and friends, beyond the disciples even. She reached through the crowd and touched his garment and literally, this is what Jesus said, who touched me? And all the disciples said, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. You're going through a crowd of people. And he said, no. I felt healing power go out of my body. And he turned around and he saw her and said, woman. You know what he she said to her? Your faith has healed you. Jesus didn't decide to heal her or not decide to heal her. Jesus came as the healer. The savior. The deliverer. It's in him. He came to bring the kingdom. There's people all around him touching him, but not touching him with faith. She touched him with faith. She said in the story, it says, if I just touch his garment, I know I will be healed. That was her faith threshold. It was beyond everybody else's. She touched him and he didn't say, I choose to heal you. No, she sucked it out of the son of God. While, she was, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what happened, another translation says, as soon as Jesus heard that, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Only believe. You see what Jesus is doing right there? This guy comes with his faith threshold. Your daughter died. It's over. That's his faith threshold. That's a pretty strong faith threshold, right? I mean, she died. Don't bother the master anymore. Well, Jesus' faith threshold was out here. So he says, Jairus, come here. Don't listen to that guy. Come here. Just believe with me. Don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except for Peter, James, John, and the little girl's father and the mother. Getting the unbelief out. The house was filled with the people weeping and wailing, and he said, stop weeping, Jesus said. She isn't dead, she's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. If you have faith, and something nobody else, like Philip with his wife, one percent. You know what a fool he looked like on social media. At the start, he looked foolish. He looked like he was in complete denial. He's in he's in mourning. He's suffering. He's not in his right mind. The experts have said she has a one percent chance of living. Philip's faith threshold was beyond the experts, beyond one percent. He's out here. You look like a fool. You look like a fool. Jesus, the Son of God, looked like a fool. They laughed at the Son of God. If they laughed at Jesus, they might laugh at you. They laughed at Him. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said with a loud voice, My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. What about Peter? Peter? The guy who is like the rest of us, making mistakes all the time, tripping over himself, right? Talking at the wrong time, saying the wrong thing, right? That guy, you and me, here he is, a disciple of Jesus in the book of Acts. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. I had a friend one time, his wife came to me and said, "Uh, John, can you help me? Uh, We just had a baby and my husband wants to name her Dorcas, because it's in the Bible. So I pulled the brother aside and I said, hey, do you know it also says her in the Bible, her name was Tabitha, Tabitha, which is in Greek as Dorcas. How about we go Tabitha? <laughs> Thank God he did. Anyway, sorry for all the Dorcases out there. My, I sh- she always is doing this kind of thing for so the uh, uh, others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. I'm talking about faith thresholds today. That's I'm giving you these stories, right? Her body was washed for burial and laid upstairs in the room it's over it's over right i mean she's dead they washed her body for burial she's in the upper room i love the first church these the first disciples but believers heard that peter was nearby at lydia so they sent two men to beg him please come as soon as possible why because they were believers where 's your faith threshold believer? Are you a believer? Any believers here today you 're a believer raise your hand online, raise your hand you're a believer all right, yeah, but what are you believing in? You can just read right over these stories and not even catch this right she 's dead, but the believers heard that peter was in a town they said hurry come as soon as possible i don't know why he had to come as soon as possible if he's going to raise her from the dead does it really matter how long she's been dead i don't know anyway that was their faith threshold you got to do it today or tomorrow you won't be able to so peter returned with them and as soon as he arrived they took him into the upstairs room the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes dorcas had made for them but peter asked them all to leave the room just like jesus did knelt down and prayed turned to the body and said tabitha get up she opened her eyes and when she saw peter she sat up gave her his hand and helped her up then he called in the widows and all the believers and presented her alive in those scenarios would you be the one laughing and mocking or would you be the one believing When your friend tells you something they're believing for? Are you going to be the one that explains it how and why it can't happen and won't happen? Or are you going to be the one that says, I'm believing with you? That's why Joshua and Caleb, if you remember, three million Jews going through the desert and God says, we're going to take the promised land. You remember that, right? And they send out 12 spies to look into the land of Canaan. 10 spies came back and said, the grapes are so huge, we had to put them on a stick and carry them on our shoulders. However, the giants are bigger. And Joshua and Caleb immediately said what? Stop! Shut up! Right? Their faith threshold was here. God's promise was out here. I'm going to give you the land. Their faith threshold was back with the circumstantial evidence. Yeah, but. Those two words are going to get you in trouble with God. Yeah, but. The giants. God says, but my promise. Yeah, but. The giants. But what does my word say? Yeah, but what does my circumstance say? Yeah, but what did I tell you? Yeah, but what do I believe? Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years until the unbelieving believers died then joshua and caleb get the next shot and joshua basically stood up and said all right all your dads they made us live in this debtor for 40 years you better not say a word (laughs) and they went in and they took the land mary and martha right their brother got sick and mary and martha called for jesus to come Jesus waited four days until Lazarus died. He shows up and mary says this when mary arrived and saw jesus She fell at his feet and said lord If you only had been here my brother would not have died Jesus responded. Did I not tell you that if you would believe if you did I not tell you you would see the glory of god If you would believe Her faith threshold was my brother sick once he died She couldn't go out there, but jesus was out here and he's trying to pull her come with me out here farther. I'm going to show you something. He's doing the same thing with you today. He's trying to pull you past your faith threshold to his. 2nd Chronicles said, "Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper." Yet Isaiah 7:9 says, "If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established." And that's what happened to the guy that was the king's assistant in Samaria. Let's go back to that story. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elijah replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat of it. Why couldn't it have happened? Why couldn't it have happened? Why? Why? If God could open the windows of heaven, this could not happen. Why? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything? You see, we cannot allow our circumstantial evidence to determine our faith line. We've got to let the Word of God do that. And we also can't allow our logic to determine our faith threshold it's not only if god can do it we can also get into yeah but how and all of a sudden the logic which god gave to us to work with him in life not to work against him right god made us intelligent beings with logic but when we allow our logic and our intelligence to remove god from the equation we have just misused our brains He created us in his image so we could walk together father son father daughter And yet out of our pride and our arrogance and our fallen humanness We eliminate god from the picture altogether because we're so brilliant See here's the problem with that if you and I cannot believe unless we can figure it out We have just reduced god down to our level Okay, turn to the person next to you And say hello you're my God huh huh yeah not very impressive is it huh or you could look in the mirror and say hello God because if you and I will not believe unless we can figure it out that means we've reduced God down to our level of logic and intelligence as though we slung the universe into existence with two words. Light be 186,000 miles per second still being created today. What, what, what is that? What, it, it makes us wonder. Signs, miracles, and wonders. Sometimes God th- does things that just make us wonder. What is that called? Worship. If God can't do things beyond our logic, then He's not much of a God. And there's nothing to worship. What does worship ourselves? Oh, wait a minute. We're already doing that. I want to say this again. You can put this on the PowerPoint. We cannot allow our faith threshold to be determined by either our circumstances or Our human logic I love it when we invite God's logic to partner with ours or let me reverse that I love it when we take our logic and say God I've come to the end of my logic can you elevate me a little bit please your ways are not my ways Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Can I come up to your thoughts and your ways? We had a high-end carpenter who used to go to our church here years ago. And he did crown molding. He did high-end homes. And he uh, told this story in in church. He said that he he, he was up on a ladder and you have like three parts of the ceiling that were coming together and it created this angle that he could not figure out. He was cutting, crown molding, and trying to get it To just come together perfectly and he just could not figure it out it was such an odd deal that night he asked the Lord before going to bed I'm asking you to help me with this because Jesus was a carpenter by the way and so he asked the Lord to help him but that night he had a dream the dream was a piece of paper with a configuration on it he woke up the next day went to work did exactly what he saw on the piece of paper and went (laughs) come on come on it's not like jesus doesn't know the measurements but he requires an invitation isn't that right mark god will not force his ways on us he will not force himself on us he's given us free will we can live dumb if we want we can live limited. I mean, if you just want to live, I, well, give no quarter, take no quarter. All right, I guess that's the way you're going to live, right? It's like, I, I will, I'm going to live by what I can produce. Oh, really? Okay, then don't do any more investing with your money. What do you mean? Well, you're, you're, you're letting your money make money, right? So you're leveraging your money. So you put your money in with a bunch of others, and then it's money market, right? And they invest, and then you get a return on that. And now you put in $1,000, but you got back more, right? So you didn't earn that. You didn't, like, go to work and get a paycheck. It's like, oh, I just want to get a paycheck. I'm going to work so many hours, and I'm going to get a paycheck, because that's what's fair. But the money you put into the money market, and the investment, and the return you got on it, right? That's leverage, right? Well... When you and I invite God into our limited resources, you have leverage. Then God now begins to do more in your life than you ever could with your own resources. Why would you only want what your hands can produce when there is a God who slung the universes into existence knocking on the door of your life saying, Hey, can I come in? Can we do this together? And let me tell you something. He's richer than you are, smarter than you are, wiser than you are, more handsome than you are. He loves you more than you love yourself. More merciful than you are, more compassionate than you are. And he comes with his resources and begins to pour them into your heart, into your mind. I remember Josiah and I, remember, buddy? I said, what's, what's something you just, your faith threshold, I hope you don't mind me doing this to you in public, your faith threshold regarding school. What would be something that would be impossible? You said getting a B in math. Remember that? Okay, nobody else in here is going to be getting Bs in math. Maybe a couple of brainiacs in here, but the rest of us, okay. How many of you struggle in math? Just raise your hands, okay. Look at that, okay, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. We knelt down by my bed and we said, Jesus, we're asking you Oh, well, you asked him. You said, "Jesus, I'm asking you to help me with math." Now he had to still work hard, but he had already worked hard, right? And we saw what that produced. So he's going to go ahead and continue to work hard, but he invited Jesus into it. What'd you end up with? A B plus. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and he said that he'd be doing his math, and it's like his understanding would just open up, and he would understand concepts where he didn't before. Inviting God's intelligence into your intelligence. When I was in college, I had had the stack of books I had to read. I always made sure I had the Bible on top. I'd get 15 minutes of the Bible. The most important book, the book of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then I would study the other books because I needed His help. Can I hear an amen? Okay, now, I don't have enough time to read the rest of the story, so I'll just tell you what happened. And I've got a couple other things I want to say and we're going to close up. How was God going to do this? You remember... Uh, Elizabeth's, John the Baptist's dad, Elizabeth was his mom, John the Baptist's dad, uh, Zechariah. Thank you. The angel Gabriel shows up to him and says, Elizabeth's going to have a a, a baby, have a child. Uh, And and, and Zechariah says to Gabriel, how's this going to happen? Now, Gabriel went to Mary, the mother Mary, and said the same thing. Uh, You're going to have a a baby. And Mary said, how's this going to happen? Exact same question. Zechariah annoys the angel, so he gets his mouth shut for nine months. Zechariah couldn't talk for nine months. Mary gets her question answered. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to have a virgin birth. Oh, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Okay, what was the difference here? Yeah, Faith and attitude. Oh. Yeah. Attitude. Uh Uh-huh. How's this going to happen? How? It's not just if God can do it, but how's God's going to do it? When we start, if we only believe if we can figure it out, we don't let God just do God. Now I guarantee you all the money in the bank that I have, which isn't much, but I'll give it to you if you I guarantee you the king, even the prophet himself, that Saul had the word of all he had, Mark, I know when you and I and anybody prophesize, you get a phrase, sometimes that's all you get, or just a word, and you step out and you say, "This is what I think is God's saying." and you don't know the interpretation of it you don't know the application of it you don't even know the second half of the sentence that's about to come out of your mouth you just start in faith and you say this is what i believe god is saying like today i woke up with a dream i don't know who it's for i I don't i'm just i'm i just stepped out here i bet you somebody's going to come to me later and say that was me caught in the darkness of bitterness and i got set free right It'll probably happen later because a lot of times people don't want to step up in public and say it and then do it later. I'm like, why didn't you do it earlier? I look like an idiot up there, but it really doesn't matter. And so, I bet you the prophet himself, the elders, the king, nobody would have come up with the strategy God did to deliver that city from famine. There were four lepers sitting outside the gates of that city because they were lepers. They're not allowed inside because they're contagious. And the lepers said to each other, and the lepers said to each other, look, we're going to die anyway. Why don't we just go over to the enemy's camp and see if they'll have mercy on us? Sometimes... When you've used up all of your wisdom and your resources and there's no hope, just believe anyway. Because what do you have to lose? What's unbelief going to get you? Anybody? What's unbelief going to get you? Nothing. Nothing. But faith. Right? Even a blind squirrel gets in that every once in a while, Rick, right? You might as well step out. Right, and keep stepping out, and so the lepers go to the enemy's camp, and the enemy was gone, but they left all their stuff, all their resources, all their food, all their gold, all their silver, everything was all there, and it says because the Lord, watch the supernatural, the Lord had caused the enemy to hear the sound of a rushing army, horses coming at them and they all said oh my gosh so-and-so made a treaty with so-and-so and and they're coming after us and they all just fled god just caused them to hear it okay now right now some of you're going well that's (sighs) okay assistant at the gate i mean that's just that's 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 just mythical right that's just allegorical that didn't really happen. That's just a story in the Bible. But it didn't really. Okay, all right. That's where you're going to live. That's, what, that's, what you're gonna, that's where you're going to stay. And you're not going to see the miraculous. Because you're the mocker. You're the laugher. You're the unbeliever. I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm trying to yank you across your threshold over to where God is. To believe. And so the lepers are eating all the food and drinking all the wine, having a party. And they said, this is, this is wrong. We need to go tell everybody. So they had a conscience. And so they go back to the town. And they told everybody. And so they throw open the doors of Samaria, the gates of Samaria. And they all go rushing out to go to the enemy camp. And the king's assistant, who had said, <coughs> even if God could open the windows of heaven, this could never happen, got trampled to death. I told you, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. The prophet said, you're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to eat of it. His unbelief kept him out of the miraculous of God. What do you need to believe God for beyond what you are already believing? Do you need to believe that maybe God is a personal God? Maybe I've been wrong. All you would need to do in that situation is just humble yourself a little bit and say, God, I'm... You know what? If that's true, I want to know. I'm asking you to show me that you're a personal God. And then when He does... Don't get all prideful again because you know there's people in your life that have been telling you he's a personal God, and now you found out he really is, but you don't want them to know now that you believe because then they were right and you were wrong. Again, we're dealing with pride. Just say to the person, you know what? You were right. That's called humility. And then God will begin to do things in your life that's so personal, and you'll say, God, why didn't I believe this a long time ago? I've waited so many years. You'll find out he's the smartest guy in the universe. He's the strongest guy in the universe. He's the richest guy in the universe. And you're his son, you're his daughter, and he's in love with you. Start now, start today. What's your 1% chance of hope that you've just thrown in the towel on? Thank God Philip didn't. What is your 1%? Is your finances? physical healing is it a relationship your future i'll never make i'll never be anything i can never do that why not why not why not is god in your life come on let's close our eyes and let's go to god together Mark, I want to ask you to do application. You're really good at that. And we're all right. We're all right there. We're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit for a moment. Just let Jesus walk us across our thresholds to His.
1: believe the Lord is saying, ask me what do I need to hear from you, Lord, in order to have faith? What do I need? Ask yourself, what do I need to hear from you, Lord, to increase my faith? What do I need to hear you say, Father, that will help me to believe? We're very biblical, each one of us. We're the guy who says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. We're a mixture of belief and unbelief. And the Lord is trying to move us to greater belief What do you need to hear him say to move you forward in belief? Tell him what you need to hear him say. Father, this is what I need to hear you say. This is what will help me to believe. And then... Listen now for what he says. Have you heard something? What did he say to you? What thought came into your mind? For me, I heard him say the story's not over." Mm-hmm. It's not done. What do you hear him saying? Yes Hmm What'd you hear him say? Trust me more. Trust me more. What else? What you share now that you're hearing will be what someone else in the room needs to hear. And maybe they haven't heard it, but when you say it, maybe they can hear it. So, what's he saying to increase our faith? I told you before, I got you. <laughs> yeah. It's not too hard for me. He showed you the fulfillment. That'll produce faith. What else? What did he say? Let's listen one more time. Close your eyes. Let's listen one more time. Father, what do I need to hear from you right now that will increase my ability to believe? Hmm. He just said to me, How have I been so far?
0: Pretty good. All right, so let's put your hand on your heart. And let's pray this prayer together. Thank you, Mark. Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Come on, church, let's pray this. Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my fear. I reject pride. Fear and unbelief. Lord, open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart to believe so you can do greater things in my life. In Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. I just, I, just amen.
1: Heard, I just heard the Lord say, he wants you to hear this. I didn't bring all this up to judge your unbelief. Right. I brought it up to fix it.
0: yeah that's the lord amen go ahead that's a good one right there amen amen say what oh thank you mary all right so last week i preached on prayer it was the power of the early church where they saw all sorts of miracles and prayer was their secret sauce and so mark said that when his wife uh Shelly got sick, and uh, the church started praying 24/7. That in, for one week, all her symptoms were gone. Once they stopped praying, the symptoms returned. They they and they didn't tell us they, didn't know they were praying. They didn't know they were praying, and so the correlation, the correlation of her uh, pain relief, uh, leaving and returning, was directly connected to the praying of the church. This has always been the way it has been throughout the history of the world is the increase of prayer increases the miraculous because it's not human effort it's supernatural and so um this evening i'm going to send out an email a congregational email and it's going to have a link on there for you to go up to a uh calendar you're going to plug your name into 30 minute slots pick a 30 minute slot put your name in there and let that be the slot that you pray there's a document on there what to pray for what we're believing for you can pray your own prayers as well but uh let's we're gonna do it for 30 days right from june 12th today to july 12th we'll start with 30 days you online as well um you can go onto our website and uh there will be a link for you to be able to click on to uh put your name in the prayer calendar and let's get the prayer increased in this house so we can see the miraculous in this house i want to close um with uh this thought some of you might think it is dangerous To encourage people to believe when it might not happen. And you put yourself out there and it doesn't happen, and then you have to deal with the disappointment of unanswered prayer and the confusion and all that. I want to say this there's two things that will happen if you believe and it doesn't happen anyway. One, you will please the Lord. What's the worst thing you can happen if you believe God and it doesn't happen? You've pleased Him. Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. But they that come to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So one, you've pleased the Lord. Secondly, you say, yeah, but I didn't get the reward on this side of heaven. Right. That's because you might be a little short-sighted. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, at the end it says, these all believed in faith without receiving the promise but they gained a good reputation what does that mean a good reputation in heaven if you believe with all your might and it doesn't happen two things will happen one you will have pleased the lord because you believed him and secondly you will gain a good reputation when you walk into heaven there's going to be a huge applause and say "Woo! we're watching you man you were believing God while you were down. That was awesome. You're going to have a good reputation in heaven. Amen, amen. amen. Let's all stand. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, anybody. I'm going to ask some of the prayer team members to come up from here. If you need prayer for anything, you've never given your life to Jesus before, <clears throat> you need your sins forgiven, your physical body needs healed, or whatever it might be in your life. Our prayer teams are going to come up. They're going to be available to pray with you um, to, uh, watch God do a miraculous thing in your life. Amen. Amen. So you got a song for us? Let's worship and then we'll go.
2: Of the goodness of God, and all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so so. i Of the goodness of God. Of the goodness of God.
0: My mom says she felt like she needed to say something earlier and she didn't, and she wants to say it now. And when the pastor's mom says that she has something to say, what do you do?
3: Um.
0: By the way, she is (laughs) the most amazing (laughs) mom in the world.
3: (laughs) I am not a public speaker at all, and I didn't want to do this, but when John had said, close your eyes and see what God says to you, he was telling me, I I want you to tell what happened. Mm. And I don't want to. Mm. And I said I didn't want to. I was embarrassing. And I, I, I mean, you know, for me to get up. At any rate, when you said if if you just don't believe, you're not sure. I was in exact the same words that you said. I had decided, okay, th- there's a God. But it's more like a magnetic force field, just a, like a connection of all our electrical impulses or something. And I was uncomfortable living with that. So in my own private prayer life, I had said, God, I... Believe in you, but I don't see how you can possibly be a personal God. I don't get that. How can you love us? How can you love some, all those people I don't even know in some other country and take care of them? And and why? I just don't get that. I don't think that is true. Okay. Fast forward a little bit. I was in a public place, a restaurant, bar situation, talking to somebody. Talk, 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 talk. talk. And there was a tap on my shoulder, and a man was standing there and he said, I have a message for you. And right away, I thought of my kids, family, emergency. And then I thought, nobody knows I'm here. And I said, what's the message? And he said, God wants me to tell you that he's a personal God, and he loves you very much. And I thought, oh, this is a bar and a restaurant, and he's probably been drinking. And if I say something to him, he'll go on with some other nonsense. He accidentally hit on something that is meaningful to me, and he didn't know it, that it was just an accident. So it took a minute, and I said, "Uh, what was your message? And he said, God is a personal God. God wants me to tell you he is a personal God, and he loves you very much. So I turned to see what this person thought, I mean, what? There was nobody there. The person had gone. I turned back. He had gone. Gone. I looked around. He wasn't any place I could see. He was gone. And that's what I should have told you. And I didn't have the courage to get up and tell you. Now we can eat breakfast, and I won't feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: That was Amen. While well, you stay in fellowship, pray for one another. Prayer team, so come up and pray for you. God bless, church.